Welcome to Engineering Career Conversations. I'm Krista Downey, Director of the Engineering Career Center at Cornell University. And I'm Tracy Nathans-Kelly, Director of the Engineering Communications Program at Cornell. We're excited to bring you this forum where we host lively conversations that we hope will inspire you. Today, we're joined by Matthew Snyder. I met Matthew when he was an undergraduate here studying civil and environmental engineering. He was nominated by his supervisor for Co-op Student of the Year for his exceptional work and received that award in 2018. He then stayed on for his master's of civil and environmental engineering. And he's now an assistant project manager and engineer working with water purification and resource recovery. Welcome, Matthew. Good to be here. How are you today? I'm good. It's a, it's a little gloomy down here in Texas, but we always need the rain. Yeah, good, good. I'm glad you have that. Speaking of rain, so you work in water purification. Can you tell us yes. more about your work and what that entails? Yeah, it's a fancy way of saying uh, drinking water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, Basically, I do mostly inside the fence, as they call it. So once we get the water to treat and then we send it out uh, past that, uh, I do a little bit of that, but mostly actually inside the fence of the water treatment. So it's everything from getting the water from its source to, you know, cleaning it up, different ways to do that. While I was at Cornell, I actually was able to work a little bit with Agua Clara. So I did uh, some, you know, gravity-based filtration and whatnot that they that they were working with. But also in my master's, I worked with the Ithaca water treatment plant, which they have membranes. And membranes have been something of a fascination to me. I kind of, as I tell people, I fell in love with them in school. So I do mostly, I specialize mostly at my company in membrane filtration, whether that be what we call direct filtration. So just water from the source through the membranes to the distribution network or indirect where we treat it a little bit up front. So can you tell us more about what's the day to day? What inside the fence? Are you walking around the plant throughout the day? Or are you in communication with a lot of people? Or are you behind a, you know, a computer all day? Are you working remotely? What does that look like? Yes. So my company, we're, we're fairly medium sized. We have about 1,100, 1,200 employees. So uh, not super, super large, like some of the huge firms, but we specialize in what in client service. That's what we pride ourselves in. So we're still small enough that we can you can pick up the phone and call us, and we can be there in a couple hours. Uh, we have offices all over the Southeast United States, so Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina. Just opened one in Arkansas, so we're kind of still finding our roots. But because we're still medium sized and we we pride ourselves in that client service, even after you know COVID kind of died down, we're we're still we're in the office. We're not really fully remote. Um, we allow a little bit of a hybrid schedule, but I'm, I prefer to go to the office. I don't work very well at home. I, I enjoy that. Um, but I, I'm very fortunate. I'm a, it's a little different for me than even most of my coworkers. I spend three days in the office or so every week and at least two days out in the field, which is, I love that. So I get to go to the, the plants that we're working on. We're currently in construction on one of the designs that I spearheaded when I first started. So it's kind of cool to see it start from our you know, study phase all the way to now they're constructing it. So I go meet with the guys out there, walk around inspect just to make sure what we envisioned is what's going on out there. And then we're also serving as kind of a third party uh, construction manager on a quarter of a billion dollar uh, construction project. So there's a lot of moving parts to that. And so I spend one day currently out there as well. So a 
a lot of behind the computer, a lot of at the desk, a lot of just pure number crunching design work, which has its ups and downs. I, I prefer to hands-on stuff. So that's why I, I kind of was like opting into these opportunities to get out in the field. And I love that. So not everybody gets to do that. So getting out in the field is is unique. So I don't, I don't want everybody to be like, oh, everybody gets to do that. But there are opportunities sometimes that pop up. And if you put your name in the hat, then you can go down that road. Yes. So for others who are interested in those opportunities, as they try to think ahead how they can be most competitive, is there particular advice you have to offer? Are there certain skills that you recommend they really develop? I would say my first good opportunity was was when I did the co-op and I I basically went out to a, a plant that was just, just ending construction and, and their commissioning phases. So I had hands-on you know, a little tweaking construction work, but also startup and commissioning, which is not everybody gets that too. Um, so I was very fortunate in that way. That helped me kind of like people ask me if I want to do that. And then just being willing to, I, I do mostly clean water. I do water purification, but re, the resource recovery part is is wastewater. And so I do a little bit of wastewater. And so one of the, that big, that big construction project is a wastewater plant. And so not everybody really wants to go to a wastewater plant every week. It's not the best smelling space. So I was just, you know, I'll go it and I very much enjoyed it. So I excelled a little bit at it. And then now we're doing the water plant that I helped design. So it smells a little better and it's a little more fun, but it's cool to see exactly what you were trying to envision being there, actually being constructed in that in that place. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is a lot of curiosity and a willingness to do things that everyone else yeah, isn't excited was, to do. Um, when I first started going out to the wastewater plant, the, the project manager who was at, actually out there full time was like, oh, I couldn't couldn't really get anybody out here. You're out here every week. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Like selfishly, I was like, I get to get out of the office one day a week. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. It's never a dull moment. That's, that's, I think that's the best way to say I just got, I I mean, last night at eight o'clock, I got a text from the construct, one of the construction guys uh, out at the plant that we're constructing. There's always something going on, especially with rain coming. That's a big thing. We're trying to pour concrete and that's not never fun. Right. So what's been one of your greatest challenges? Let's see. I think the hardest part is school is school and working is much different. I took a class when I was at Cornell. I think it was during my master's and maybe it was that extra, the semester kind of in between where I was like part master's, part not, where we actually kind of partnered with some old Cornell students who were working for an engineering firm. And they said, hey, here's our design project. We're doing it on the side, but you know, you guys take a stab at it and we bounced questions off us, which was great. And that helped tremendously. But you st- it still was just barely dipping my toe in the water of all of the moving parts. And there was a big, when I first started, I mean, it's a little different because I first started, I was, it was what, September of 2020, in which we all know what was going on uh, then. And so it was a little harder to kind of get your groove because most people were working from home. I went into the office most days, but it was really just me and my boss and the CEO of the company. <laughs> But it was hard to to take that leap into, you know, there isn't really like a, here's how you do things. It's kind of, wow. you kind of figure out because everybody does it a little bit different. Not everybody does A to Z the same way. And learning that, like I said, a little bit more difficult because of the time frame of what was going on in the world. But I think even some of our new people that are starting now, I've tried to kind of be like, here's all the stuff I did two years ago. Take a look at it don't have to do it exactly like that. But I remember asking people like, how do I do this? And I was a little afraid to be like, point blank, how do you do that? (laughs) And yet you try, you do ask and you do move forward. And that's one of the things that has served you well in your career. Yes, I've 
I learned early at my co-op, um, it's better to ask a million questions than to not. And that was, I think that was the number one thing that helped me when I did my work down there was if something went wrong, I got on the phone, I called my my boss and I said, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what I want to do. Is that sound about right? Or I have no idea or anything. And I think a lot of people just kind of would have tried something or maybe not have tried anything, been too afraid to try something. And it's better to uh, at least try and and try to get some sort of ambition out there and, and willingness to, to try to do something is, is kind of the biggest difference i think not everybody's willing to kind of just succeed or fail not that you have not that this, it's that black and white but yeah so initiative and courage and yeah that willingness to try that's great advice thank you what would you say is the impact of your work we were actually just brainstorming this um as a group because a lot of people turn their faucet on and they get water not a lot of people understand i don't want to say understand not a lot of people know exactly i mean my one construction progress our project is $22 million just to build probably enough treatment for, it's a small town just south of the, of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So just for 12 million gallons a day, which is sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much water, is $22 million. So this infrastructure is very, very big and, and a lot of people don't know about it. So we're trying, um, as the younger professionals, as we call ourselves in, in our group, we want to get more people out there. Last year, we had our uh, a group of interns from the whole company come and we toured everything, even including um, we work with civil engineers like myself who do just water. Um, we have civil engineers that do more structural work. We have electrical engineers that do kind of our like wiring and instrumentation. And then we also have civil engineers that do more of like water resources. So more like uh, storage reservoirs and dams and whatnot. So we all have to work together. So we brought all of those interns so not even somebody who would even work on a water plant, just here's what it looks like. You know, here's here's what happens. And especially now, they just come a week or so ago, the EPA announced their new rules for their the PFOS and PFOA stuff. And that is a big impact on the work that we're doing. So kind of just, yes, these these are harmful forever chemicals. And yes, they're bad. Um, but now we're, we're running into two, we need a little bit more public trust. Um, so we need people to understand what happens at a water plant more so than just, oh no, the EPA says we can't have any of these things. And do we have them? I don't know, blah, blah, blah. So we need, we need a little bit more community engagement, I think is, is, is our goal, at least our goal that we kind of brainstorm. I said, Hey, let's get, let's go to high schools. Let's get some high school students out, walk around these water plants and whatnot. Just, they don't have to even care. They just, I want them to know what it looks like, how, what, how, what happens from the lake to when you turn your tap. I love that idea of engaging high schoolers, bringing them in, you're educating them about water, which is important regardless of what they do. And some of them might be intrigued enough to pursue mm -hmm. this line of work. Yeah, I can see how that's a challenge, educating the public. And I love that you're coming together to talk about that and tackle that. One thing that we talked about earlier is this MENG project that you worked on during COVID. Can you say more about that? We did a little bit of a study for the Ithaca water uh, treatment plant. They get their water from 13 or so miles away um, from one of the creeks uh, in, you know, in the, the lovely Ithaca area, which I do miss sometimes. And what was happening is they were getting uh, manganese, which fouls up their membranes basically and it's, it's thankfully that the membranes do stop most of it and that's why personally i love membranes but um if they get fouled up you can get irreversible fouling or if they just get fouled up you get higher pressures and you can't treat as much water and 
they have there's a way to treat for manganese, but because it was 13 miles away, they they knew too late. So when they're getting plugged up, if they go and treat it, they still had several. I think it was four to six hours worth of water that was going to be really messy and dirty and hard to clean. And then on the on the contrary side, if they dosed too much up front, 13 miles away, by the time that that they knew that they had been dosing too much, the water was purple and it's not like fluorescent purple. It's just got like a little purple tint to it. But people notice that. And, you know, if you turn your, if you turn your faucet on and, it's, and it looks different than what you're normal, even if it smells different, no one wants that. So you, you, you can't just overdose, even though that's a, harm, a harmless chemical and it wouldn't matter, but you can't just do that. I would say after we do all the necessary things, that's probably 60 to 65% of what we do. The other, you know... 35, 40% is for taste and odor and happy customers. So it's not necessarily a thousand percent necessary, but we want everybody to trust their water. We want everybody to have good tasting water and you don't want anything to smell bad. So at the same time, we we can't just overdose and oh, oh well, right? So we we worked on kind of predicting what happens, you know, rainfall. Do we have more dissolved oxygen? Do we, um, are we dissolving this manganese that's precipitated out we're now re-dissolving it into the water and we came up with kind of a calculator of sorts i guess is the best way to call it um hey how much rain did you get yesterday um what's the temperature outside um what's the stream flow so the more flow the more uh bubbles get in the water the more oxygen that can get in the water that can oxygenate um these you know little manganese cells and basically said okay based on all these parameters we would suggest you dose x or maybe you should dose X and for a little bit, but then you need to back off, right? Because you, you had a four-hour detention time before you even knew what you were doing. It was in a closed pipe. And unfortunately, we didn't get to get as far as we really would have liked. We really wanted to get some really great um, data and, and get hands-on and really troubleshoot through our calculator a lot more. We did present them with a tool that I hope was somewhat useful, but because of COVID and um, not being able to get in front of everybody, because they're critical, you know, water's critical infrastructure. So you don't want, especially during that time, we were lockdown can't go near uh the operators were getting sick and nobody was getting you water yes you're right this is such an important part of our daily lives that we all take for granted and i it's interesting that you had such a strong technical education and experience uh before graduating as well as experience thinking about the communication issues, the PR that goes into this and what the general public is expecting of your work. Yeah, that was, uh, honestly, that was one of the main reasons why I picked uh, the route to go down that MNG project was it was, there was some technicality involved to it, but for the past four and a half years, that was my life was technicality. That was Cornell is boom, boom, boom. Uh, So it it was nice to get an introduction into you know, people interaction as well, even if it was just the operators of of the the water treatment plant, which is something that I do today all the time. I mean, I really rely on their input um, when I'm designing because I want them to have a good time operating it. And I don't know, I can say, oh, I hope this sounds, in theory, this sounds great. And they can be like, we never do it that way. It's too hard. Interesting. So you're clearly a learner. Have you thought about what's next for you in your learning and professional development? Um, well, so I've been working now for almost three years uh, with the master's. So you need four years of experience and then you can apply to become a, a professional engineer. So come 
August, September time, I will have that because you can you can uh, count your master's year as, as one year. Um, so then I will I will be applying for the it's more of a technicality, the applying part, as long as you pass the test and you get the experience and you get the professional professional engineers that you worked for to sign off, you pretty much become one. Uh, so around that time, I will probably well, more more than likely be becoming a professional engineer. So I've, I've come this far and that's a really big step. Um, not every engineering discipline is it that big of a step uh definitely for civil engineers you know we're stamping uh critical infrastructure we're stamping things that people walk in drive on every single day um you know i'm stamping how to clean your water that you that you drink so hopefully you would trust that i did a lot of schooling and i know what i'm doing so once i once i pass that threshold i've thought about furthering you know i really like i've said a million times and uh, i really love this idea of membranes and i uh, really started with my co-op and and doing unconventional things with these membranes. So I really want to apply that. I've, I've gone to a few conferences with my boss and I've kind of hinted to him a little bit like, here, here's what I want to do. So I don't know if that looks like um, more school. I don't know if that looks like uh, just kind of getting nitty gritty, you know, getting my hands dirty so that I can gain that expertise and, and other people might trust me to design that where I am now or or what that really looks like, but that would be, be the next step is continuing my my knowledge of, of these systems. Well, there's a lot of possibility and we need your expertise and skill set. This is great. Are you ready for the speed round? Sure. Okay. So you're a hard worker, you're a learner. What do you do for fun and to relax, re-energize? Uh, I'm a big golfer. So that's the one thing about being in Texas, you can golf year round and that's my favorite. Actually, up in upstate New York, my parents are from there. My uncle owns a golf course. So we go back up there in the summers and, and play with him, which is very nice. And what's one place you go for information to stay current in your work? The biggest thing is uh, I'm a member of AWWA, uh, which is the uh, uh, kind of the, the more water side. There's also uh, wheat and other items. But AWWA, for me, uh, they have this this really cool online resource that you get access to, which has all of their publications and you can search by keyword. And that's a very good starting point because a lot of people are doing a lot of really good work that they rightfully so want to publish and get out there. So if you can find something there, uh, just reading their journal articles, what, what people are doing new is is probably my favorite. And then they have some of the standards, you know, the, the standards to design as, as well as in our company, we have that. But if we don't have one, I can go and download it because I'm I'm a member. And finally, if I heard you correctly, you said that you had been interested in membranes since childhood. Maybe I misunderstood. But our final speed round question is, if you are not doing this work right now, what would you be doing? And which is closest to what you dreamed of when you were a child? Well, I grew up on water. So I, I, my mom uh, went to Cornell as well, actually. Um, and she, she graduated from the Civil Environmental Engineering School. Uh, she ended up becoming a lawyer. But she did water rights law, um, environmental law, and that sort. So I grew up around water. That was always in the back of my mind, kind of my passion. I went to Cornell. I was like, I'm not going to, you know, I'll go to Cornell. It's an amazing school, but I'm not going to do what you did. I'm going to go do this. Found my way into civil and environmental engineering with a water focus. So I think I was kind of always meant to do that, <laughs> regardless of how, <laughs> how it turned out. But I originally wanted to apply this knowledge, uh, not necessarily in a consulting role. Um, I'm glad that this is where I ended up. but or for right now, I'm glad this is some invaluable experience and in, in getting 
uh, like you said, next steps, we'll, we'll figure out what, what, what's the best long-term, but right now this is perfect. And even in the, you know, the short-term future, this is perfect. Uh, but applying this knowledge to, uh, you know, as my mom always said, uh, water is the next oil. So that's my, that's, and it's a little bit better for the environment. So. One thing that comes up is how important access to clean water is for everyone across the globe. And how do we balance that with how expensive this infrastructure is? Here in Texas, we have this uh, uh, route called the Texas Water Development Bureau. Um, and they are open for particularly more remote communities that don't have a lot of revenue maybe to or fundraise or, or raise taxes or anything to get uh, the necessary funding to build critical clean water uh, infrastructure. So the Texas Water Development Board, actually I'm working on a project right now where uh, they had originally funded it back in 2007 to give, I don't know, I think it's six or seven si uh, rural cities in West Texas, uh, this beautiful multi-million dollar membrane plant that gives them amazing water. They're doing a great job. And so we're going to expand it a little bit more, but that was a the direct product of this funding source. So this is something that uh, people who we we want we need to get this out there, and so this this is um, important. So I know that in the state of Texas we have those alternate funding routes, which uh, we encourage our clients to to use, and we have actually a whole team inside of our company that is that specializes in the application process and and everything that can help us from start to finish. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you are enjoying these conversations, please follow, rate, and review on your favorite platform. Join us for the next episode, where we will be celebrating excellence and innovation among engineers whose impact contributes to a healthier, more equitable, and more sustainable world. <laughs>